questions. Let's talk about Reddit for a second, though, because we got we we got called out. We've we've really made it because we got called out for vocal fry and being homos on Reddit, and that's how you know that you. That made was exciting it. for me. Read the one where they're like, "These faggots are terrible, but the podcast is good." That was like the bottom comment. Or it's something. like I always see the Reddit trolls calling people homos and gay, and to finally get that treatment, I was just very. Honored. It was it was also great because we got the exact same treatment that Red Scare got. They had a small Reddit thread mm-hmm. about episode one that said they had vocal fry and they were whack and you couldn't distinguish their voice, but it's kind of good, which is yeah. exactly what we got. Ours wasn't as positive, I would say, but there were There's a couple that got, yeah, begrudging. Got we got yeah, they had like of, sort of five begrudgingly positive points, and we got like three. In our first episode, one of our one of the points we talked about, uh, Gary, you brought up the Infowars video. Is she overdoing it, or should she kind of calm down and stop talking about it? And I feel like since then, so much has happened. Uh, both John Oliver uh, played the clip, uh, and then Alex Jones, you know, mimicked Dasha's vocal fry, like huge explosion. <laughs> and then Dasha did her reaction video to Alex Jones, which was great. Really funny. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think all of that exposure is so good for the podcast, so good for Dasha's career. It yeah. seems to me that, you know, she should keep going. Yeah, you guys were totally video. vindicated. I think she's got to just keep it, keep it rolling. Yeah. The Alex Jones thing was amazing. <laughs> Him doing the impression. Did you see John Oliver's the clip? Yeah, I didn't see that. That was one. interesting. What John, was the context? John Oliver is like terribly. He was talking about MS thirteen. Uh, no. <laughs> no, he was talking about Venezuela. That was remember part like the whole context of of the uh, Infowars run in at South by was that the woman was the the, the Infowars reporter was trying to use Venezuela as like socialism doesn't work. And so the, this segment was about look at Venezuela. Venezuela, yeah. It was about so they play, they play this clip, and I, I think John Oliver is so unfunny for basically showing that clip and saying, look at the, this is what discourse has become in America. Two idiots uh, who don't That's know what they're talking about. That's how they framed it. Two idiots who don't know what they're talking about and the, until one of them lands a sick burn. And it's yeah. just like, What was you know, the burn? Just you people have worms in your brains. Oy. It was Dasha. They ended the clip with that. Um, and I just thought, like, you know, well, back, very, back to the Infowars video, what she actually says is so simple and, yeah. and no, it's actually beautiful. It was, an, it was a really interesting, like, distillation of why, like, leftism, you know, Bernie-style leftism, which she was sort of representing, is, like, more compelling than this, like, neoliberal John Oliver. nonsense. is because, like, John Oliver did this, like, 25-minute segment being, like, well, you know, Maduro did help with this thing, but actually he hurt the, the GDP, rice prices. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, yeah. dude? Like, you know, it, it, just, it, I just want people to have health care. Like I want people to have health care. And like I want the government to pay for it. Like, that to, like, kind of simple message. Make fun of her for that simple message and, and present, like, no, the only way you can understand these issues is through, like, 50 graphs and, like, some historical thing. It's like, no. Like, the answers to some of these things are, like, as simple as everyone should get free healthcare. Like, and he just was presenting it as like, no, 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 you have to, which is his vibe is like, oh, you, yeah, I'm the smart guy. And like, you don't, you don't understand, understand any issue. Like you have to have a PhD. Like it's just, it's kind of a whack vibe. He reminds me of like a rubber chicken. John Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like 
Like his look? Just his whole look and his voice. Like you could squeeze a rubber chicken yeah. and it would squeak and that's kind of a little bit how he sounds. Bird in Aladdin or something like that. Yeah. He's... Who does the... First of all, what is that bird's name? Gilbert Godfrey does yeah, the Gilbert voice. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey does the voice. There's a monkey in Aladdin. I haven't seen Aladdin in a long time. Maybe we should watch it. Yeah. Maybe Godfrey did the TV show Bird Voice. I can't remember. I just hated that he was mean, that John Oliver was mean to Dasha. She also, uh, you know tweeted at him like you're not funny or something like you know something very <laughs> alex funny. jones video she did was so good <laughs> do you remember what she said it was something like your mom something you're ugly but like i, I have the worst memory in the world but like it was really good you probably remember you probably yeah, watched I it did. a few times i, I watched it twice yeah and people are making memes with her you know and there's this whole sort of like the the concept of sailor socialism is basically its own brand. Yeah, that's <laughs> become big. Yeah, I feel like if that could grow into like cute cute socialism, yeah. which I think would be a nice uh, you know contrast to the Bernie bro. I was, wa- bro. I was like, watching. Yeah, no, I, was watching uh, I was watching. I was watching pretty good history channel documentary on Hitler youth. And it had all these old guys who were in it when they were 10, when they were 12 and they were, they sort of felt free in this context to talk about the sort of psychological joys of being in this. And they were talking about the pride and the, and they were all wearing uniforms and they're saying how amazing it was to wear uniforms. And I was thinking about like, you know, could we have like all the like socialist girls wear the like sailor moon thing? Like what would the boys (laughs) wear? Just like we need to have a, there needs to be some sort of aesthetic movement associated with, uh, you know, whether it's Bernie or some other leftist restructuring, like, it has yeah. to be because if it's just ideas, it's just going to be like leftist Twitter infighting garbage. Yeah. And so we need like a sailor socialism, you know, movement. So I'm pro pro that one yeah. of the women I talked to <laughs> about the roundup episode one, uh, she said, you're you guys are too hard on Meg. And uh, I was like, well, how much have you listened? She's like, I've only listened to like one episode of Red Scare. I was like, OK, irrelevant. But, you know, I will say there's a lot of Meg content in episode seven and episode eight that we will be able to talk about, uh, some bad, but also some quite good. And I saw flashes of why, um, maybe they're friends, you know, there yeah. were some comments that I thought, you know, brought it better, but there's also some, some really real trash and you could hear actually some, some impatience from, from, I think Anna about, yeah. it. you know, let's talk about, uh, episode seven uh, and episode eight. This is the roundup, and the first episode of the roundup was really a sort of all-purpose, you know, introduction to the boys, introduction to the girls, like what's going on here. And then this is going to be the new format we think of the roundup, which is really just close reading, watching, review, recap of the episodes themselves. And so we actually were. You know, Max was out of town for a while, and we were going to do a roundup on episode seven. But as we were walking over here to record, and we are currently in a uh, lactation room, uh, episode eight dropped. So we all listened to it just now. So it's very fresh. Yeah, it was crazy. It was very stressful. Yeah, you know, was, we were all ready to go talking about episode seven. I know, and we had all this. We had all this sort of ready to go, and then we were kind of texting each other on our Red Scare Roundup group text, and. Uh, just getting excited because episode eight was very interesting. It was so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary sent us this screenshot of a text with a female friend who had told him, you guys are being way too hard on Meg. And so that put me into a kind of spiral vortex of like, oh my God, why was I picking on Meg? Why did I look up her Shiba Inu? Like that was so weird. And I was like, why was I hard on Meg? Like I was like insult, you know, talking about her couch surfing profile. That was... 
Yeah, I don't really know what led me to uh, kind of scrutinize her like that, but that's why I, I think we were just know. desperate for clicks. Like it's Click something bit. we yeah, felt, but yeah, bit. but just like what are we? You know, we're trying to get attention. Five you don't know about Meg. Heavy dot com. Five things you don't know about Meg. There was also one Reddit comment that I really liked. It said these guys want to be Anna, fuck Dasha, and are just jealous that Meg gets to hang out with them. Nice try, but no thanks, boys. <laughs> and I was just like. That's not untrue. You know, I thought that was kind of a funny point. And, you know, I am jealous that Meg gets to hang out with Anna and Dasha. Her role is just kind of ambiguous. In the little, in the little bit of the live event that I saw on the, because I subscribed to Patreon and, uh, you know, got to see it, as I think also Andre did. Sure. Uh, Gary, maybe still. In the not face. yet. Uh, I watched a little bit of the video and they, you know, whoever the MC is announcing, they're going to come on stage. And they just announce, announce Anna and Dasha. Well, actually, first they have this whole back and forth about whether it's Anna or Anna. And oh, she wow. says Anna. Wow, jacking the, the roundup. Yeah. So one, <laughs> so one, yeah, the yeah they definitely heard that. Uh, so I think it's So Anna. let's say Anna. Let's, we should start saying yeah. Anna. Anyway, they're, the MC is saying, okay, and now Anna and Dasha, they don't even announce Meg. But Meg comes on stage and she's sitting with them. And the three of them are just sitting there and she's like this other presence on stage, just kind of awkward. Holy she's shit. not announced. Jesus. Imagine a sequel to The Sixth Sense where this, the <laughs> concept is that nobody can see Meg, but she's there <laughs> operating in the world. <laughs> can Brad see Meg? All right, we, we got to go okay. into the episodes, uh, episode seven, episode eight. And, you know, we're talking about Meg now. So just to keep that through line, Meg had some, you know, I was feeling the same way as Max was, which is why were we so I feel like mean, like I like Meg, like there's nothing wrong with Meg, like blah, blah, blah. And then I then episode seven dropped and Meg had a rough patch. And I was thinking, okay, like, I'm just honest. Like, I'm human. It's okay to diss Meg. Like, it's human. But then episode eight preview, she was good. Everyone she was, was good. good. Well, yeah. But so anyway, for, episode for, seven, the thing just I just had, you know, spit it out. The fucking so sad today thing about the book. Well, that is about Meg kind of. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying we're keeping it on Meg episode seven to start. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we, we talked about this. Over I feel like tech. this is so hostile to the listeners because all the listeners are thinking I like Anna. I like Anna. I like Dasha. I want to hear the roundup talk about Anna and Dasha. And we're just only talking about Meg. Wait, what was Meg's well, connection to so sad today? Meg was like saying the, that Melissa Broder, whose name she had to look up or whatever, had a book coming out after. She got a book deal. She got a book. Yeah. And, and uh, Dasha was like, I was at her book party. And Meg's like, I think it's actually just coming out. And yeah. they're like, no, it's not, Meg. They uh, like sort of snap. But that, okay, fine. She, I met Meg also said the thing. Uh, she said the T about that thing, <laughs> which I hate. Uh, and that was about Juno Diaz. Um, the T was that there was going to be more serious allegations coming out. Another, a different T. I don't even understand the that. T, T. Do you know what T is? No. Wow. Yeah, T yeah. is like gossip. The T. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, From the drag community. Oh, wow. Thank Thanks. you, Andre. For me, it was that she just came with these kind of norm takes. Uh, one of them was that she, she was basically like, Oh, like, you know, they were talking about, um, be best. And they were talking about right. Melania's campaign. Yes. And they're saying, you know, it's an anti-bullying campaign. And, and at one point Meg is like, you know, basically saying like, it's ironic that Trump's wife is on the anti-bullying campaign. She should ban her husband. What should she do? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, and that like, is we the... get that enough on the internet. We don't, you know, it's you like, get that uh, literally at the 92nd street. Why like Terry gross talking to the Trump Inc 
people or whatever. Right. Like that is a insane. The other one, I thought you were going to say either that one Michelle or Obama's Michelle arms. Obama's arms. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was insane. Uh, there but it also led to some, an amazing few exchanges. Like, and then Anna really- says, Anna says, I want my arms to be bony. So when <laughs> people, when men hold me down to fuck me, I'm afraid they're going to break. And then Meg says like, you have a sick and twisted yeah. mind. Well, the, the, at the, <laughs> then yeah, Meg right. says, which I liked, which had, you know, it was nothing. It was basically like Bijou Phillips had bullied, uh, <laughs> when she was 19, like a fat gay actor on set. And they were talking about that, which like the guy brought up is like his kind of like weird me too. Like 20 yeah. years later, they're making fun of him. And then Meg kind of funnily says, um, I've been, I think it was Meg. I'm pretty sure she said, I've been brought down a peg or two by in the closet gays. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. And I was like, is that a reference to the roundup? Definitely. Let's make a promise. You and me. Let's just be honest. We are gonna run. Nothing can stop us. Even the night that falls all around us. Soon there'll be laughter. They were getting so wet talking about Baron. Uh, like at one point Dasho's, you know, recounting the scene of Trump coming out and like right after winning the election to the Rolling Stones, you, you can't, can't always, always get, get what you want. won. And she's like, that's when I first laid eyes on Baron, <laughs> his sweet, sweet Baron. And it's just like, wow, that's crazy that the night of the election, everyone's like freaking out that Trump won. And Dasha's is like, oh my God, who's that hottie? Well, Baron was a funny, like he did trot out on stage. It was very memorable. And he kind of had this like sleepy blinky vibe. And it was just funny that yeah. Like he was the the sort of closest human to Trump yeah. at that moment, so it did. It was notable. Yeah, uh, you coming out when you win. He's the only for president to you can't always get what you want. Is just <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about that. It's just pretty fucking. Trump's dead. playlist was totally crazy. He also had he had cat. He had a lot of like songs from Cats, the musical. Remember, <laughs> remember, remember, Les Deplorables, the banner. <laughs> That was amazing. They got the banner done in like one day after Deplorables came. I was, I was just amazed by the logistical printing feats. I'm, I'm waiting for the, f- the Fade On book on graphic design and the Trump campaign. <laughs> yeah. Fade On. Or whatever. Yeah. No, I know. Fade On. Anna. Um, gotcha. It's Anna. <laughs> Baron was also like a, a style icon for a minute there. Like he had that shirt that said the expert. Yeah, the expert. The shirt, expert. But then we're, People were speculating on if he was into crypto also, Baron. <laughs> Um, there was he's the really arc at the, at the beginning. Yeah, he's young, but he's like online probably. Like the arc they, where they got on, they were like, we're depressed. Uh, we're so depressed. And then I feel like by the end, we, we heard like a sort of podcast therapy because by the end, they seemed kind of giddy. They were talking about the Patreon money. They were just happy to have recorded an episode. Like yeah. at the beginning, they were like, we're, it's our fucking period. Like uh, this sucks. Life sucks. I got shit on by some tankies on Twitter. And, um, and so, yeah, it was nice to hear them go from like you know bummed uh, bummed to happy I loved you know another sort of summation like that reddit comment was a good summation of like what we're doing here like Anna had a good thing about you know they were talking about pedof- pedophilic gays and Woody Allen and um, Dasha was like yeah I feel like that's a big part of like my my look and my attraction and Anna was like yes you're the ingenue Meg's the girl next door and I'm the vampiric anti-semitic archetype and I was like yep as we found in episode (laughs) 8 it's quite the opposite yeah the vampiric zionist she was was an anti-semitic 
stereotype or something maybe ah maybe she did yeah. say that and and uh she could, was a vampiric jew not the vampiric i could see that semi vampiric semi i think she said anti-semi we'll have to go to the no tape to but could be an anti-semitic yeah. stereotype maybe one other thing i had on this episode uh i wonder if you guys have any more thoughts because now it's kind of just muddled because we heard the last episode but like the um dasha uh, mispronouncing tableau that tableau. was yeah tableau. She says tableau so we all heard that <laughs> yeah we all heard that so we got the receipts <laughs> the famous dasha soylent hookup yeah <laughs> yeah yeah episode seven is the second mention of dasha's uh soylent employee one night stand uh and she also there was an interesting moment there Meg is sort of like, isn't that a scene in Wobble Palace? Like, I haven't seen Wobble Palace, but there's some scene that apparently they filmed in his, in this employee's uh, apartment. Right. The timeline is Dasha had a one night stand with this Soylent guy. She didn't seem to like love it or whatever, but what was cool was she kind of had the relationship with him enough that she could call in a favor, call in a favor. He could. So who knows if she was like, if there was some sort of uh, healthy friendship that they developed post hookup, which is kind of cool. It seems like or that. it could be that she just has some like psychotic grip on him because she like overpowered him, you know, psychosexually yeah. where she was able to just call him and like ask for that or de- semi demand that and like. I'd like to hear more, mm-hmm. basically, about what's going on there. Yeah. She seemed sort of caught off guard that Meg pointed that out on the podcast. Mm. She seemed yeah. caught off guard, like, oh, that scene, in, was that your storyline? And Dasha no, no, was like, no, no, oh, no, 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 that was, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. loosely based. I forgot so There's about something that. there. We, you know, I was thinking when I watched mm. Dasha's film over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Is that your storyline with the tech guy? Oh, no, very loosely inspired. But the apartment, the apartment, because the cat is, the, the, okay. is that Soylent guy's apartment. We only slept together once and then I hit him up for a favor. Oh, oh, so it is his actual apartment not loosely based on. It's his real apartment. Uh, the storyline. The Grimes, Elon Musk. Of it. Oh, of course. <laughs> I like that because I, I think, you know, Anna basically says Grimes herself is like an ingenue, like an elephant ingenue. And then later, yeah. uh, Dasha uh, says that Grimes is like a bona fide loser, and like there's this whole kind of Dasha versus Grimes, who's the bigger ingenue vibe. Interesting. Um, sure. Dasha's explanation of tankies was very helpful to me. Yeah, like I didn't really know what that was all about. I knew what tankies was already. Sure did. I liked when Anna said uh, that Grimes makes like bleep blop bloop music <laughs> for, for like Silicon Valley people and burners. <laughs> they were funny. They were really funny. Yeah, great episode. I mean, I continue just overall, just check in here, continue to love this podcast. It's, it's amazing. The other the other thing was was their, I mean, this was not expected, not, uh, this is very expected of them, but their sort of contrarian takes on Me Too, you know, on, on Woody Allen and Polanski. Um, and then they're also contrarian takes on like PC policing or like policing of words you know, the, the use of retard. Um, it's yeah. interesting to hear them do like a full-throated like defense of like why they can use retard. Was it interesting? And Did you find it convincing? <laughs> I mean, 
Whatever. What did you guys think about that? Well, I love saying retard and I don't say it at work and you know, it's like I, but I'd say it like, and I think it's like an artful word. So like, I kind of like, yeah, I want to say retard too, but I didn't find any of their arguments convincing. Similarly with like the art and artist stuff. Like I also want to enjoy the art. I like, I also think art is to explore this discomfort and stuff, but they're like the rubber hits the road in a way where I don't think they talked about it with like money. And is there any responsibility to, uh, do anything structurally about people who do really bad shit. So like, would you say let Harvey Weinstein keep making movies? It's like, Mm -hmm. I think it's easier to say like, put R Kelly back on the playlist for a variety of reasons. Um, but I feel like, would you just say like, don't ostracize Harvey Weinstein from the industry to make money. And like, I think they're right that singling out or selling out Roman Polanski and, and Bill Cosby, I wouldn't call it selling out, but just like, mm-hmm. I think that there is a expiation of guilt that happens there for Hollywood and Hollywood gets away with something and sort of gets to survive. And they're right about that. But I definitely don't think they were just like, it's pretty simple for me. Like, I don't care if my artist is a bad person. I'm like, yeah. And then what about all the money and stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so unfortunate. Like the implication, like I, I obviously see their point. Um, it, you know, art is like about weird, uncomfortable things, um, like you know, being into underage girls or what any of these things. But the reality, yeah, the reality of like horrible men just continuing to dominate entertainment industry is like it's a tough one. You know, maybe maybe we can watch all the old stuff by bad people, but not going for it. It's know not, what the it's not is, an equal it's, playing field, too. It's yeah. the people that get. I think this not just the money, but just the constant promotion of these people. Like, should we? keep promoting these people or talking about these people if they've done terrible stuff. And I think their take is more like, it's an equal playing field, meritocracy. Like, I want to just look at everyone. Neoliberal. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think also there's this sense of just people also, like, I think what chafes like Anna and Dasha and me and a lot of people here is people getting quote unquote paid for just like condemning shit in some stupid way. So it's like, you know, go on, you know, you don't have to be a fucking moral genius to say like, R. Kelly is bad based on the reporting. He did bad stuff or whatever. And people like go on TV and like get paid to say that. Mm -hmm. And like, it just feels, you know, the PC monoculture is dumb and it is worth resenting. And, you know, something that the sort of interesting Israel Palestine discussion, I think illuminated was, you know, the Red Scare does a good job of, and I think it's especially because Anna is pretty provocative. Like she's down to take like fascistic opinions. She's down to say inappropriate things. So like, I just think there's subtlety to all this stuff. I think they had a good conversation about it, but I wasn't like, here we go. The definitive take on art and artist and money and whatever. And I retards. think and retards. Well, retards. I'm just, it's just like, come on. But I don't think, I don't think they were particularly convincing on, uh, saying basically like retards can't be offended because they don't understand the dialogue. I was like, I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually think so. (laughs) I don't think like, I don't, you know, I don't think you can, I don't think it's an honest position to say, I want to say retard and I have zero guilt about it. Like I'm down to say it, but I'm down to also bite the bullet that it makes me kind of shitty. Yeah. But I don't want to think about it when I'm laughing and stuff. Yeah, I admired how just kind of simplistic the <laughs> defense of using the word was, uh, you know, but it also I, I'm with you that I was sort of like, oh, wow, she's saying that basically, you know, they don't even care because they don't they wouldn't understand this conversation. They wouldn't understand the way the words being used. Uh, the retards. Yeah, that is. Yeah. 
Um, interesting take. I liked in episode seven, sort of when Anna and Dasha like trade Russian phrases. Oh my god! Them. Yeah, uh, and also later there's a part where they sort of like put uh, Anna puts on an accent, doing immigrant parent voice. Just amazing, oh, yeah. Yeah. more of that. I yeah, that. <laughs> and Dasha did like a full Russian thing about like this is what they said when they like execute. Was, yeah, the yeah, yeah, and she just said something in Russian or so it seemed, and I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty authentic. Yeah, yeah. Like, none of us speak Russian. That's a big difference. We're Russian adjacent. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested to hear you talk more about uh, Gary, like, the Melania Trump stuff and what you weren't that convinced with their take on... Yeah, I just... I, they were basically saying the sort of neolib critique of Melania is that she doesn't fit in. She's the Svetka model, like, brainless, like, lies on her resume, like, just, like, whatever... And they want her to be, there's all this fantasy about her being miserable, like these videos where she swats Trump's hand away and, and all the fucking like, you know, Maddow clan is like, yes, you go girl. Like right. you you must be miserable. And Anna and Dasha were kind of saying like that critique is, is like imbued with this sort of thing of like, she's not doing the neolib fantasy of like having a great career and whatever. And they're saying it's perfectly valid to choose to be like a wife. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And like my feminism says that's okay. And I don't need to work at like Deloitte or whatever. And yeah, I feel you, but that seems so removed from like the basic ethical story of Melania's life, like her deep fucking pathetic, uh, moral life that she lives where she's like a birther and silent through obvious. So she's either retarded, like, toxically retarded or just a terrible person. And, um, I feel like their, their thing was, you know, I, I don't think they were saying she wasn't, but it, they were trying to just be contrarian, but I think there's a pretty obvious, or maybe it's obvious or whatever, but that, that, that she had, she, she signed on to be sort of like a rich guy's trophy wife. And then just like fell into this insanity. That's just way beyond anything. Like, you know, and, and while we're recording this, you know, Melania has been in the hospital. There was this story in the New York Times about how they're like being super sketchy about releasing the medical information. And she's been there for four days, but this is really almost like an outpatient surgery. And her aides were wearing scrubs and there's no reason to wear scrubs. And so people were speculating, like, is this serious? Other people were spec like all these interesting fantasies. Other people were speculating she's probably having a butt lift or something. And <laughs> probably she was super pissed when he got elected because like her whole ability to get plastic surgery was fucked like that's well, a whole other subplot and then and then there's other people who uh, are like I think this is a suicide attempt and they're covering it up and other people are like they're poisoning her like they're poisoning Russia so there's all these fantasies like who knows she probably just did get kidney surgery or something mm -hmm. um, but I do think a lot of people project their uh, sort of narratives and their hopes onto Melania in a way because she's so such a cipher also. One one question I had is and and I think the way you framed it is right is that they sort of you know criticizing liberals for saying that Melania is miserable and they say that Melania's lifestyle is totally viable. I guess the question I have is 
um, is Anna just being contrarian when she's saying that's a viable lifestyle, or do you think that Anna in some way would want that lifestyle? I mean, Anna's indicated many times on the podcast, like her Elon Musk, like Dasha's is like, Elon Musk is disgusting to me, and Anna's like, take me away, like yeah. slippity slide into yeah, my that's DMs. Part of her, like Anna's part really of Anna's thing is I want to be a bohemian. She also, like Anna is a, like a brilliant artist, writer, person, and like in another time, I think Anna knows or just part of being like human is she would have like some sort of patron or rich person who would let her um, do her thing. And I think that's kind of what she wants is like no structure, no demands. I will be productive. I will be creative. But like I want to have some sort of free financial security. That's a big fantasy for Anna. It's a big fantasy for me. You know, like I, I think that's a great a great viable life if you're like an artist and you know you have to sacrifice some things like feelings of self economic self-worth and whatever but Anna would argue that that's like a false consciousness or something I think she's said many times she just wants to be have money and like do her thing that's her weird she's got such an interesting combination of beliefs opinions like desires yeah like she she's is like anti-neoliberal but also is just like yeah yeah I would just like be a billionaire's like sort of wife to who just gets to do whatever she wants. Like, it's interesting. And yeah. we'll see in episode eight her contrarian stance on his. I, th- I think there's a real. I think there's a real contradiction that I noticed with Anna about this issue. Just on the one hand, saying uh, it just seems like she's talking a lot. She she says she's advertising the fact that she never has had sex with a tech bro or skater. She's saying she's talking about Sex in the City at one point and saying her takeaway from watching a lot of Sex and the City is like, everybody wants a man and you can't pretend otherwise. So she's sort of saying on the one hand, like, I'm single, I want to hook up with, like, I want to have sex, I want to have a boyfriend. But then when they're talking about Melania, there's this interesting moment when they're saying, like, stop, you know, women, stop going online and saying, I need a boyfriend, like, please date me, like, that makes you so unattractive. And so there's something that I noticed with with Anna, it's like, what, is she just saying the slide into my DMs to be provocative and contrarian and like, you know, to be the sort of outlier. Cause no one is, no one is saying, is she just saying Melania, uh, has a viable lifestyle to be provocative or does she, would she actually want that? Hard to say. I mean, I think we find out in episode eight, uh, you know, this might be a good seg. Nice seg. Uh, is that in episode eight, of course, Adam, the guest, Dasha's boyfriend, and then we find out Meg also has a boyfriend, Brad. Of course, his name is Brad. <laughs> yeah. And where's that? But like, where, the, to, to your point, like, you know, what is Anna's sex life? Like, Anna is very sexy on the show, and she, you know, is an attractive woman. And she seems to have all this like sexual power in the way she speaks, but we don't know what her sex life is. We don't know what her relationship history is. She, like she says, on she says Jews. Seven. She said she's had sex with Jews. She's, that's on all, episode that's kind seven, of she says the only men that DM me are these like people with no followers and red roses. Right, but what do like, you, what do we really know about her actual? Yeah. So I'm just saying, like it could be a wide range of things. She could be. Uh, deeply lonely or she could just be kind of self-deprecating joking when she like has a ton of sexual power in her life we have no clue i would guess she has sex with like whoever she wants but i don't know yeah i mean i i hope so i would hope so for her sake i would hope so she's very funny um episode eight episode eight adam is on 
Uh, we get yeah, what I feel. <laughs> yeah, he was the bug. The bug, the bug. He was great. He's so funny. So good. So good. Lots, lots to talk about. I would say just as a as a high level comment here, this episode felt very uh, heartwarming to me in some mm-hmm. ways. Like they felt like a family. All of them. Yeah. Uh, they were having a good time. Uh, I think they were having a very earnest conversation about. Uh, Israel and Palestine, the way that I felt the Melania conversation was, it was hard to tell where was the earnestness. It was kind of irony cloaked, you know, confusing, but I feel like on Israel, Palestine, they're having like a reasonably serious conversation about Israel, Palestine. That was like pretty interesting and intelligent. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it was just funny too. They were having fun, like Dasha converting. I feel like hearing about Dasha converting to Judaism, presumably because of their relationship, her relationship with Adam, hearing that Adam grew up in Vegas. Like, have they been together forever? Like what's the deal? Are they like husband and wife? Like this was such a family show. I felt like I didn't know that Dasha was not Jewish. Also, I sort of assumed maybe the Russian of it. Yeah. And Adam Jewish adjacent, Yeah, Jewish adjacent. adjacent. Uh, and that Adam lived in Israel for some amount of time. That was the other thing. I would say for her conversion, they should do a mikvah in like one of those like blow up tubs, but in front of the sofa, <laughs> in front of the brown sofa. <laughs> the, yeah, the necro sofa. <laughs> yeah, I think the two big takeaways for me in episode eight were one that Meg is dating a, a man named Brad, and two <laughs> uh, that Anna, or sorry, Anna is just a total genius and her ability to have a very frank, earnest conversation about Israel-Palestine and explore all the different angles and the discourse in a really intelligent way was just, I was like, wow. She was weirdly Zionist. Like, that was the most surprising thing of the whole episode was Anna's sort of, like, like Netanyahu's hot, like, which is fair, whatever, but but just also, uh, even when they got... She had an amazing line about Netanyahu making her wet, or, like, (laughs) making her... What is she saying? She, there's, the there's, glasses. there's two. This is actually leads to my trivia. I prepared a trivia question for you guys <laughs> yeah. for this. What were Anna's two Israel metaphors for her pussy? The Gaza Strip. Definitely. So, but what was the Gaza Strip? More she said when she saw Yet- Netanyahu, her pussy was like Gaza. It was a swirl of conflicting energies the and the heat. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, West Bank because only Jews are allowed in. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, so she's, she was definitely hot for Netanyahu and also like up on like what a dog the wife is. Like the, the, this is sort of more towards the end, but the conversation about like Israeli sexuality, male Israelis, female, like secretly prude, but hot Israelis, like they knew a lot. Yeah, there was some good Israel. Adam birthright content, yeah, birthright. Zionist camp, yeah, the hot Israeli army girls of it all. Zionist camp was Adam really getting handed? Right, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say classic thing is like, like we all went on birthright. It's like nobody hooked up with no, the hot. Statistically, and, you know, statistically, seventy-five percent of hand jobs that Jewish boys got didn't happen <laughs> like statistically. <laughs> so like I, yeah. I hear him like brag about his hand drop on a baseball, baseball field. I'm like, did you read that in like a book about yeah. how to be like a Jewish 27 year old dude? Like no you're way, or like dude. more like a Jewish, like 18 year old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like people lie. Right. Jewish boys will lie yeah. about that. A lot of incels. <laughs> in but the, so what's the, the deal with, with her conversion? Cause they sort of have a spat about it when she brings it up. Like he, uh, he must make a face or something when she brings up, you know, converting to Judaism. And then, you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? They, they sort I of, thought that was like they were kind of doing a bit. I don't know. Here's a theory. 
Adam is just low-key very controlling and has subtly pressured Dasha to convert to Judaism. No, I got the opposite there. It felt like to me like she wanted to do it and it was like, it'd be fun to be Jewish or something. And he's been Jewish and dealt with all the levels of like, it's cool to be, it's like, no, it sucks to be Jewish. They're like, no, it's cool to be Jewish. They're like, no, 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 actually it sucks to be Jewish. Like he's has so many neuroses around it and she's just kind of like blithely being like, yeah. I don't think it's blithe. Like Judaism is serious. My sense is that she's really doing it. And they must be. I mean, that's why I was so sort of touched because it seems like they must have a really serious relationship. And uh, unless, I mean, it's possible she's converting kind of outside the, they're just casual, but she wanted to convert to Judaism for like personal spiritual reasons. But like, let's just assume it has to do with their relationship. What was the meaning of that little joke bit? Like, that's hard to say. Yeah. Um, Another like maybe, um, grist for the mill of like theories of Adam and Dasha's relationship was kind of when he said there was sort of a towards the beginning of the podcast and there was a lot of like you know there's a lot of talking fast a lot of joking they hadn't really settled in but he was talking about Mia Farrow was super thin in Rosemary's Baby and he said that's thin spo for Dasha and uh, there was kind of a Dasha and Anna Anna laughed but not really and I thought that was a sad moment I was Mm -hmm. like is this was this like a a miscue is this like a toxic thing was this no big deal but i i definitely felt sad and then i heard dasha and anna laugh and i was like they didn't really laugh at that mm-hmm. like i was that's so interesting yeah yeah this is the first straight man on the show yeah and the little toxic masculinity it sounds like yeah the bug yeah. but he but overall <laughs> i like thought we felt guy but still overall <laughs> overall i thought they were all so cute like you know we're there are a couple of these things but like overall they were so cute they all really loved each other adam was really funny and, yeah. and he was smart was so good yeah um, they all couldn't name Mohammed bin Salman, which was like another great <laughs> cute, like red scare, like being so smart, but not really reading the news obsessively, which is, I love, uh, they were like, uh, Meg, Google, Google that, Google that, <laughs> make us sound smarter, which, you know, the, um, it's another good thing that Adam brought up, Adam's very aware of the Jewish and Israeli memes. He brought up the uh, Israeli tech pride. Like, <laughs> right. Everybody who has a Jewish parent. Yeah. Wiz, it was, it's Israeli. You're trying to navigate the streets. You're using Israeli. Oh, cherry tomatoes. You, oh, you, you're anti-Israeli? You can't eat cherry tomatoes then. Okay. No avocado toast with the cherry tomatoes on top. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they did the at the end. Also, I just love this episode. At the end, they did the daddy. They Anna and Dasha mm. both did like a great like daddy, daddy about Avigdor Lieberman, the super <laughs> hard right Israeli foreign minister who's just like a ghoulish figure. <laughs> that was so funny. That's the weird thing. I, I really came across Avigdor. thinking that Adam was certainly extremely progressive on Israel. Dasha also was very pretty progressive on Israel. And, and Anna was kind of like, well, come on, Israel does have to defend itself or something. Well, like, do, she was very yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anna was saying, I'm, I'm half Armenian, half Jewish. I have, like, the ghosts in my, in my head of, like, people being, the trauma of, like, people being, my people being liquidated or uh, that attempt being made. I can't help but sympathize for the sort of nationalistic uh, Zionist ethos. And, like, she was like, it's a tragedy that Jews have a legitimate claim Arabs, Palestinians have a legitimate claim. Christians have a legitimate claim. Like all this like Abrahamic religion kind of sprouted out of this very small piece of land. And she was also, it's like Anna was hip to like the IDF and like today's Israel being very 
rough and fascistic and but she was basically saying, let's let's not like Anna's a critic. And so she hears the left discourse on Israel, Palestine. And it is, even though I think more righteous than being like pro blatantly pro militaristic settlement Israel to be pro Palestinian rights and whatever. She's just like, let's not ignore just like let's not ignore the humanity of like Woody Allen or whatever. Let's not ignore the humanity of the Jewish experience and that was one where it was like yeah like I don't want to nod and agree because I don't want to be a fascist and I don't want to identify with the Trump Netanyahu axis or whatever but she's right like there's real sympathy there yeah. and so I thought it was classic on a contrarian brave make the conversation more interesting content yeah she yeah. was amazing no that's what I think is the most interesting about Red Scare is that they, they take so many like interesting positions that you don't hear even on like left-wing podcasts that you think like oh yeah interesting i'm hearing interesting voices but she'll take things that are like weird seem right-wing maybe but it's like that that's what keeps keeps me listening for sure uh back to dasha and adam at one point dasha says well i'd rather fuck a fascist Mm -hmm. than a cuck or something like that i'd rather fuck a fascist than a neolib oh than a neolib. neolib yeah and Which was another foundational kind of statement on the show of like who we are and what do we mean and whatever. Um, right. I thought that was a great, a great line. Adam is not a fascist. No, but he's not a neolib. He's Probably a twink not. leftist. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, I liked his comment about only being able to fuck women in New York because he's so yeah. small. Yeah. <laughs> How small do you think he is? No, I you saw him. He, was, he wasn't that small, but he's like a he's like a twink Jewish guy. You know, it's like, but it's like any of us. Like you go to Chicago or something, you just are like everyone's six foot three, beefy. Like, yeah, I found it very girl. hard to feel attractive to women as a child in the Midwest, whereas in New York, like roughly the same size. I just feel like, and it's the twin, it's the twi- it's the times plus the geography. But like, he's right. He wouldn't have a good time in like fucking St. Louis trying to fuck like. It just wouldn't yeah. be good. Yeah. Let's, yeah, he, as you put it, you know, Woody Allen has done us all a service as Jewish men to it, too. Uh, I saw Woody sad. Allen uh, at Central Park uh, a couple years ago with Sunyi, and they were on a park bench, and he had, like, a like a brown paper bag, like, lunch, and he was eating, uh, like, a sandwich, and they were on a park bench, and I sat on a park bench and just basically watched them from, like, 25 feet away for like half an hour and he ate a little bit but f- the entire time he said 100% of the words and she just sat there wow wow she's a good bit younger than him she's yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a bit younger that was sort of the Meg uh, <laughs> take the thing I will say that I feel like Anna Dasha or Anna was like, he's not like he's even that good of a filmmaker. It's like, no, he's a very good filmmaker. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, that's why this is so intense is because he's like an amazing filmmaker and, you know, not all of them are good. Scoop. I haven't seen Scoop. He's amazingly prolific also. He does one a year. Like. The, what's the worst? The worst one was To Rome With Love with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, that's bad. Every, I've like walked out of every Jesse Eisenberg except for Social Network. <laughs> Foreverland or whatever that was called, the Adventure Park yeah, one. Adventureland. Yeah. Adventureland, yes. Yes. Metzitzot. 
the uh, the tradition of a rabbi sucking the circumcision. <laughs> I was very impressed. Adam knew. Did yeah, you know that word? I knew the first like metzitzot. I knew that word, but he says like that's metzitzot bitai. Yeah. So I was like, what? Like I like, didn't extra. know the extra word. Like, wow, he like uh, knew that shit. Right. That made me think. Okay, he's super Jewish. And then to hear the Dasha was converting, I was just like, I do think just to be critical, there is something about that meme of the. Hasidic like Moyle sucking the dick or whatever that's kind of like from the word cloud of like jokes it's like it's on the spectrum where like dead baby jokes is like at the end of the spectrum of like how can I be offensive but like that's somewhere in the like okay like everybody's heard this fucking dick suck. Anna kind of calls them on that yeah or she says that that's like that's like a she's like as much as I like that demonic theory that these kids are being and then Meg said there's like an NYU like postdoc devoted to it or something and they were like really because it's not that widespread she's like no it's prevalent within the herpes transmission is prevalent within the practice not that the practice is so prevalent and then they just like moved on but that was a pretty interesting like subtle distinction that Meg was trying to make I thought you were just saying there's a there's a department at NYU just about herpes <laughs> it's probably that but even Metsitsot Bataille yeah. <laughs> There's a we sometimes use a Google Doc on the show, and I'm seeing a note about dream about Anna. Somebody oh yes, uh, yes, I had a dream about Anna last night, uh, probably anticipation of recording, and it was a simple dream. I was walking with Anna, and she had, and there was another girl there, and I was like, "Who's this?" And Anna was like, "Oh, we replaced Meg." This is wow. Gabriella Paella, who is actually, you laugh, that is a real person who writes for New York Mag. I think and, I follow her. And when Twitter. I saw her, she's good on Twitter. She's like good on Twitter. And I was like, not like amazing, but good on Twitter. And she's like a New York Mag, like culture writer, writes like little funny stuff. And I, when I first saw her, I was like, is that a fake name? Like, is that like a jokey Twitter name or like a cutesy thing? But no, that seems to be like her byline. But Anna had replaced Meg with Gabriella Paella and in the dream I was like cool like cool move like solid hire you know <laughs> but I was also feeling sad for Meg and I was kind of in the dream hoping that Meg uh, wasn't really gone for good yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I also liked when Adam said Meg is, Meg is a judicious editor. They were talking about editing some part out. And I was like, all right, more info on Meg for the fucking dossier, yeah. couch yeah. surfing. She's definitely the editor, as we suspected. Yeah. Who are the other, like, can we, do we know any other oh, scare baby, adjacent? Baby. I'm just saying, like, not do we know them, but who else is, like, scare adjacent? We got, okay, Gossip Babies, Adam, of course. Nomi Fry in her own way. Who else is Red Scare adjacent? Like, Deanna Havas has been mentioned a couple times on yeah, the podcast as, like, true. the other Twitter fascist art person who, like, gets, guys, gets fucking... I've noticed Deanna is tweeting a lot more and being a lot more public in the last several weeks, and I wonder... About McDonald's. Any, what was that? Take? She just keeps talking about how she eats at McDonald's every day. McDonald's should be, pay her to like you know talk about it. <laughs> but or I, I guess I'm. Asking, She's like, I'm on the ground at this McDonald's crying. I'm screaming and crying and throwing up. Do you think that she is jealous about the Red Scare Roundup podcast? Diana, or not the Roundup, the the Scare. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think she'll be on it. Yeah. But who else is a Jason? We know Deanna's a Jason. I think Deanna has the same thing of Anna of like, I'm a genius. How am I not fucking famous? You know, that, that, that's her vibe. 
I wish I was uh, some sort of heir and I could give Deanna money to be an artist. I could give Anna money to be an artist. You could like, subscribe to I could. Sub- I was probably subscribed to the Patreon. To, that's, if Deanna has a Patreon, I'm committing to it right now. But I don't know. If I knows. guess that's what Patreon's all about. Yeah. Okay. Andre, can you give us an update on the Red Scare Patreon? The ladies are at $1,531 per month. Wow. It's pretty good. They were at like a thousand last time. But I like the one big chunk style of Patreon, like someone just like George Soros giving them like ten million dollars. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. Oh, that Soros, if you're listening. 